You're listening to St. Joseph, a four-part series on the foster father of Jesus Christ. This podcast is produced by the Augustine Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. I'm Taylor Kemp, Platform Manager of Formed, and with me is Dr. Ben Akers, the Executive Director of Formed. Uh, thank you for coming back, or if this is your first time, we're in the middle of a, seri- a four-part series on St. Joseph. Uh, in the first episode, we looked at St. Joseph and his Old Testament prefigurement, uh, Old Testament Joseph, mm-hmm. and then today we are going to look at St. Joseph under the title of Guardian of the Redeemer, which is uh, the title that John Paul II gives his encyclical on yep. St. Joseph. His apostolic letter, his apostolic, apostolic exhortation. Letter. It's a beautiful, if, I encourage you to read it. It's not very long. Uh, it's just, you know, my copy is 35 pages, but, you know, they're small pages. And you can find this online. Redemptoris Custo is just a Latin name for Guardian of the Redeemer. And uh, John Paul II has this cycle of writings where he focuses on the Redeemer, Redemptoris Mm -hmm. Hominis, the Redeemer of Mankind, Redemptoris Mater, the Mother of the Redeemer, and Redemptoris Missio, the Mission of the Redeemer. I think we can see this as part of that Redeemer cycle of focusing in on Joseph, who is such a key part of the life of Mary and Jesus. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting when you think about just the idea of guardian of the Redeemer and what Redeemer carries with it and what we say about the Redeemer being Christ, that he is God. So really think about that, what we claim about Christ, that he is God and just God in general, that everything was created through him, that he is in control of everything, that he is all-powerful. So this begs the question, why does the Redeemer need a guardian, because if God is all powerful, if he if he is in control of everything, if everything is created through him, well, then why in the world does he need protecting? Right. So this is the way that John Paul II puts it in in his this beautiful writing: is the guardian of the mystery of God is how he first introduces us to jo- to Joseph, and what he means by that is what is the mystery of God? Well, the mystery of God is that God became man. The second person of the Blessed Trinity takes to himself a human nature. The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. That's the mystery. Yeah. And then because God takes flesh to himself, becomes a man, he enters into human history through the womb and the yes of the Virgin Mary, and he comes as a baby. Yeah. And he needs protection. He needs guarding. I, I remember hearing in a, in a homily once, and it has always stuck with me, uh, the priest said once that love makes you vulnerable and that the model for that is God. God loves the world. He sends his son into the world. But the the kind of consequence of this love is that he is vulnerable. God comes into the world as a baby, a helpless little baby who needs protecting. And so then we get into the the holy family and why there's a mother and a father. Right. So it's not even Jesus that's only needs protecting. It's actually Mary that needs yeah. protecting as well. So he guards her yes. in her pregnancy. So I was I was saying we could start maybe at uh what Pope Francis and other writings have said is Joseph's annunciation. So we're all very familiar with Mary's annunciation. The angel Gabriel appears to her, says, you're going to have a baby by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then it's not till later that Joseph has his annunciation in the gospel of Matthew. Do you want to walk us through that? Yeah. So, so first the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and invites her to become the mother of the savior, as you said. And then we don't have that, that version of the story in Luke's go- in, that, that we find in Luke's gospel, we, but we have Joseph's version of the account, which he would have shared with Mary and Mary would have told Luke mm-hmm. and told Matthew that this is how we know these, these stories is that at the beginning of Matthew, in Matthew chapter one, the an angel appears to Joseph. I think we can assume that's probably, you know, the, the angel Gabriel, mm-hmm. you know, coming and giving this message of salvation. And the message that the angel comes to Joseph with is, do not fear to take Mary, your wife. 
which puts us in context that Mary and Joseph were already betrothed mm -hmm. before this annunciation, the announcing of this good news. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, you could see, and as, right after Mary comes back, she's found to be with child, and, and uh, Joseph decides to put her away quietly, which was, maybe we don't go all the way into that, but sure. um, it says because he was a just man. Uh, so in a way, you can you can very easily see that he is protecting Mary here. Um, but then the angel appears to him, gives his annunciation, and then something really remarkable happens. Joseph says yes. Joseph gives his fiat to the plan of salvation that is going to come through Christ. Well, and the angel comes and tells Joseph, you're actually a key part of the plan. Mm -hmm. You're part of the story. So oftentimes, and traditionally, this is interpreted as Joseph, you know, talk, maybe putting Mary away in divorce, is that it's a reverential fear. Yeah. He's like, I, this is a mystery that I, the, between, I, I trust Mary, I believe Mary. She said the angel appeared to her and that she's pregnant with God's son. And I don't see how I can be part of this story. And you just imagine the Blessed Virgin, and the, they would have obviously known each other, they were betrothed. I imagine if you're Joseph and and you know Mary and you know how good she is and you know how like holy and pure she is like I'm sure all of us know people in our lives that are just very holy very pure people. Well, you know me, so well, well exactly. Yeah. And so I didn't want to call you. You know, I didn't want to hold you up as an example. <laughs> That's true. And um, you imagine that he gets this news and she's pregnant and all of, you can imagine these thoughts are just flying. At, how did this happen? You know, we didn't. How, what 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 is going on here? I think it's when you really think about Mary and what we know about her and God's cho God choosing her and what Joseph knew about her, uh, there's something like almost wrong with him not trusting her. Like, I think that he would have, he would have seen in her a purity and he probably wouldn't have worked out what is going on. But I think when we see that he is, he's putting her away quietly and the gospel gives us that line, he was a just man. It's, yeah, like, I don't know what is going on here, but I'm going to take a step back. And then God reveals to him, no, 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 you are just as much a part of this plan. You will be this child's father. Right, and did we see that in Matthew's gospel, that that uh, Joseph is a key part of the plan, that he's betrothed to Mary. And also we see uh, in Luke's gospel, too, at Mary's Annunciation, the way that we're introduced to Mary at the beginning of, the, beginning of Luke chapter 1, verse 26, is that goes the angel is sent to a town of Nazareth, uh, to a town of Galilee, the, the town named Nazareth, to a virgin who's betrothed to a man mm -hmm. whose name is Joseph, and that virgin's name is Mary. Yeah. So that that even the way that Luke sets up the story is like, no, Joseph's actually a key part of mm -hmm. this narrative. Yeah. So from here, I want to go into uh, he has his enunciation, he gives his yes, but what I want to talk about is something that John Paul II brings out in Redemptoris Custos, Guardian of the Redeemer, is uh, the Second Vatican Council's definition of faith. Uh, this is from De Verbum 5, uh, and it, it's a very short, so just bear with us. Um, but it says this of faith, that by this obedience of faith, man freely commits himself entirely to God, making the full submission of his intellect and will to the God who reveals, and willingly assenting to the revelation given by him. So we say of Mary that at her fiat to God, she begins, she begins her pilgrimage of faith. And John Paul II says, that at his annunciation, he begins his pilgrimage of faith. But I, I just want to draw out what this faith really means here, because Joseph is going to receive the, the command from the angel to take Mary, his wife, and he does. He, he, he says yes to the plan that is going to unfold of God. But at this point, he has no idea what this is going to entail. Like, he has no idea. I mean, 
He doesn't you, know about the you know the the not being able to find a place yeah, like, to to stay in Bethlehem. He doesn't know about Herod trying to seek the death of the child. He doesn't know about going to sent to Egypt. They're and, not going to live at home. Yeah, yeah, like just fraught with difficulty. And and I think it's very telling that Joseph gives his yes. There's this unfolding of God's plan. Surely it doesn't look like what he thought it was going to look like. Yeah. But yet in that he just keeps going. Like he just keeps going. Um, and it's so inspiring. All. All of us, there's just this, this darkness, uh, well, faith is a light, but this, this unknown of faith where you're, you're trying to follow God's will and you're like, Lord, I've given over to you many parts of my life and yet my life is kind of unfolding and I don't know what's going on here and it's not easy. Joseph and Mary, but Joseph here in particular, what a model of someone who just, he keeps going and he's yeah. not, I can imagine there's just so many nights where he's like, man. What happened? Yeah, you have to have a deep trust in the providence of God that this is really God's doing and it doesn't make sense to you on a natural plane or a very horizontal plane, but there's a trust that God is God, God is ruling the universe, and God is at work. This is what uh, one of the things that a, a beautiful section of Pope Francis's apostolic letter on, on Pope Francis with the Father's heart, Patris Corde, where he says that uh, Joseph has to be creative uh, courage. Mm -hmm. he, he answers with creative courage. So he just keeps doing. He's going to, okay, I'm going to find, I have to go down to Egypt. I got to find a job in Egypt. I got to, you know, being creative about that. But part of that in that section, Pope Francis mentions that it's this deep trust in the providence of God, mm -hmm. that the world thinks, the way the media portrays it today is that world power, right? The governments, the president, all these people that can make decisions of whatever nation you're part of, make the decisions that really matter in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And Joseph's story and Mary's story tell us, no, 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 it's not Caesar Augustus who's in charge. It's God's who's in charge. And the whole of history is going to pivot on this holy family of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. It actually kind of makes me think of the little way a little bit because Joseph's kind of path, it's so silent. It's so quiet. It's on, on a worldly scale, so unspectacular. Um, and I was just thinking that's kind of the, the beauty of St. Therese's little way is that the path to holiness is in like really small acts of love. And you can see in Joseph that his path to perfection and holiness and growing in virtue was just like saying yes to the small things in the context of a three-person family, like invisible to almost everybody. But that his path to becoming now what we venerate is the greatest saint outside of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It was this path of just complete silence and humility and and like the struggle of being a dad and a husband amidst difficulty that no one knew about. Like right. he was just this humble guy, carpenter, and we all know that. But when you really think that his greatness lied in, in saying yes in small moments, it's quite challenging to be like, does my heart seek other things or do I just seek to be the best dad, be the best husband, be a faithful son of the father, a faithful daughter of the father, whoever you are, that in that is greatness. It's always a temptation to think that the saints live on a different plane. Like I didn't get that DNA. I didn't, I didn't get the holy gene in my, in my, in my you family got it. tree. You're good. <laughs> but to think that like, no, they just do all these great things. And no, they got up and they no. had to get down and kneel and pray. They had to change diapers. They had to do dishes. He had to clean his shop. Yeah. Uh, you know, where most of the his life took place of of with the Holy Family is this hidden life in Nazareth. And he's of noble blood. He's mm -hmm. should be king if you're looking at he's of the line of David. And yet he takes this humble path and mm -hmm. he accepts that mm -hmm. in resignation and is still loving and as we mentioned last time, not bitter about it. Yeah. And the creative courage comes up again there because I really do love how Pope Francis brings that out that 
it's not just courage. It, it's not just this virtue of you're just enduring and you're going through. It's creative courage, meaning like in a way we're left to our own devices many times. And in so God's it feels providence, like that. yeah, and, well, the, but God's grace is there. He, yeah, He's working through that. But like, yeah, for us, we're we're thinking, how do I respond to this? And that when Joseph is taking his family to Egypt, when he's trying to find a place for the Savior of the world to be born, when he's trying to figure out where his child is when he's twelve. They're sitting there and they're not like being led by God in terms of they know exact they have a complete and utter uh direction. And it's just they're going for it and they're having to figure it out on their own. They don't have the star guiding them to yeah, where like, Christ is gonna be born. They're sitting there the thinking, magic. like, Lord, yeah. you you you've given us a pretty bad like yeah. situation here. Well, you what are at, we supposed to do? And you look at the annunciation to of the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary, and the story ends with and the angel departed from her. Mm. And John Paul II and other saints have beautiful reflections on that of that begins Mary's pilgrimage of faith. And some of it's in darkness mm -hmm. where she didn't know, as you as you mentioned with Joseph, he, she didn't know the things that were going to happen, that her soul would be pierced, that her son would die. These these things come up later in the story. But that that's what, when you say yes to the Lord, you're saying yes to a great adventure. And you don't know where that's going to take you and lead you, but you know that he's going to be present with you. So to kind of take a step back again, like we're looking at him through the lens of guardian of the Redeemer it makes me realize we're we're looking at him as guardian of the redeemer this high elevated title but the way that played out in his life is a very mysterious a very humbling a very trying thing which is true for every single one of us mm -hmm. like a we're all called to be guardians of the redeemer actually we're all supposed to guard Christ in our own heart we're supposed to help protect him in the world um and and so Joseph is a model for that but then also um because he's not just the guardian of the redeemer. We we noted a little bit about it, but he is also the guardian of the virgin. Uh, he is, and there's a beautiful litany of St. Joseph. You can find this on Formed, where you pray this, this different titles of different saints. And the litany of Joseph is wonderful, and and, and uh, you can, it only takes you two minutes to pray it. Uh, but one of the, some of these titles bring, three of the titles in particular in this litany bring out the fact of who he's guarding. The first is chaste guardian of the virgin, so it's purity. The second, watchful defender of Christ. And the third, the guardian of virgins. So not only is it he's guarding Christ, he's guarding the virgin, the, our lady, but he's also guarding us in mm -hmm. our own purity of heart. But as you mentioned, so the guardian of the virgin um, he wants to protect Mary's purity. And, mm -hmm. and we've talked about that. He wants to protect uh, her and her life. He wants to set her up uh, and teach Jesus so that when you know, Joseph's going to be the first to die in this holy family, that he is, you know, that Jesus knows how to make things so he can provide for the family mm -hmm. when he's not there, so he can provide for for Mary. Yeah. Um, just to, as as we're closing in a little bit here, I was I was thinking again about the the high title of the guardian of the redeemer, but that that is something lived out in humility. Um, and I was thinking about my own life that you think about the things that when you're trying to figure out what is God calling you to, like what job am I supposed to do? What vocation do I have? What am I supposed to do? What are the, what are the gifts given me by the Holy Spirit? Um, and we all know, especially as people who we're trying to live faithful lives and we know pride is such a dangerous sin. And a lot of us just like kind of have this aversion to like taking up any great cause at all because we're like, oh, that's prideful or maybe that's just me. But uh, we can have this this uh, reaction to flee, and you can almost see that in Joseph. Um, I would say in complete virtue, not not a false humility or a genuine pride, but he kind of he he sees that 
Mary is pregnant, something's going on. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to take a step back. God says, no, no, no. You're going to go into this place. You're going to be his father. You're going to be her husband. And you're going to be raising this child who he finds out will be the son of God. Um, and that there is a greatness that lies in humility. That Joseph does not say, who am I to do this? Because he knows it deep in his heart. Mm -hmm. I am completely unworthy. I have not earned this at all. But because God has chosen him to do it, he says, okay, great, I'll do it. God will give me what I need. And I think that for us, there, there is this great call to humility, but that is not a shrinking into nothingness. That is actually a call to recognize that God is the Lord of our lives and whatever he calls us to, we must be willing to say yes and that he will provide the grace for us to do that, which he does with Joseph, which he does with Mary all that, you know, no one is good, but God alone, all good things flow from Christ. Um, but there's such a, his, his humility leads to this elevation. It leads to his title as the guardian of the redeemer. And for us, we're all called to be saints. Well, right. And, and think about that in relation to Mary, that what does Mary say? She said, all generations will call me blessed because God takes the lowly and raises them up. And so we see this in, in Joseph's life as well, that he's the lowly who's being raised up to be in this position that he wouldn't normally wouldn't have. I mean, this is the incarnate son of God that he's responsible for. This is the immaculate conception of Mary mm -hmm. that he's responsible for, but he's taken from, he recognizes in humility where his, his place. And he knows that if the Lord called him to it, the Lord will give him the grace to do it. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's a re, it's a reassuring thing today because the Lord is always trying to raise up saints. Saints don't become saints by their own effort. As we all know, they only become saints by the grace of God. And you become saints by doing your duty. So mm -hmm. Joseph is in the workshop. He's showing up to work. He's 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 loving Mary. He's loving Jesus. Uh, when he has a headache, uh, he doesn't you know snap at them. Th these are the things that that are gonna you know that we experience in our own life. That these are the things if we do it with love, if we do unite our suffering with Christ on the cross, that these are the things that can make us saints. And it just makes me think that the you know the the fourth episode is this is going to be the domestic church, and that Pope Francis in his letters he says that's the cradle of life. Um, and that it is in the home that you learn th this greatness, this love that can lead to sainthood. And for so many of us, your vocation is, is married life, so is mine, I'm sure for many of you out there, and that it is through loving our family, these small little things, that we will become great saints, and that that is not something that we should shrink from, uh, but embrace, trusting not in our own strength, uh, but in God's. Um, this was wonderful. Thanks, Ben. Uh, this was the sec... Did you have any parting comments? No. Okay. Uh, this was our second episode uh, where we looked at St. Joseph under the title of Guardian of the Redeemer. We're going to have two more after this where we look at St. Joseph as patron of the Universal Church and patron of the domestic church. Thank you so much for being with us. Please keep checking in. We're so excited that we're doing this series to honor uh, this great Saint, St. Joseph. Thank you so much and God bless. You can watch this series in video format by visiting formed.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.